Have you ever felt like you needed to dig real deep and get that nervageous feeling going within you? Don't worry about going to the dictionary and looking up the word nervageous, because it is a word created by our guest today. And she will share with us the story behind this amazing word and what it can do for you. Please join us today. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. I am so excited to have Lori Johnson Vegas with us today. She's the 2023 National Mother of the Year. I'm excited to finally be able to get her on the program. I know I've promised you the last couple of episodes that she would be with us, but this is happening today. Lori Johnson Vegas has spent her entire life in relocation mode. Her father was a career Air Force and the family moved every two years. She has lived all over the world. And after high school, Lori pursued her educational goals and obtained three degrees, her bachelor's, master's, and then the doctorate. She served in the U.S. Air Force Reserves, then married into the military and has continued traveling the world. She is the mother of two amazing sons. And Lori is well known for her love of butterflies, laughter, and being hashtag nervageous. Professionally, Lori is a college professor. She has her own business where she is a human resources consultant and personal and professional life coach. She is a professional speaker and has had many opportunities to share her talents. Lori serves on the board of advisors for several local and national organizations. She is a certified master resiliency trainer for the Air Force and a certified mental health first aid instructor. Lori, I'm so happy to have you with us today. I've enjoyed working with you on the National Board of American Mothers. You're delightful, but I know you have a story. Would you please share it with our followers? Sure. Well, first, let me just say this, that it, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, and it's an honor to be part of uh, your podcast and what you do. Uh, first and foremost, I, I had to say that because uh, I'm thrilled to be able to be here and chat with you and, and just share a little bit about me because uh, I know my story is probably a story of, of many. Uh, so um, I think people can relate. Uh, I will tell you that I grew up as a military child. So uh, we moved, and this was during the time when the military members moved every two years. Every two years, we lived someplace new. Uh, and that was the norm back in the day. Now it's a little bit different. Uh, people stay in one location, one base for quite a while. Uh, I spent first grade in three different schools. Well, how did you manage that? Oh, man. So I started first grade in Turkey. We were living in Turkey at the time uh, and then did the middle of first grade in New Jersey. And this is kind of how the military does things. They want you in one spot. And this is back in the day. And then once they get you there, something happens somewhere in the world or or, you know, something with a, a mission. And then they say, well, we don't need you there anymore. We really need you here uh, at this next location. And that's kind of what happened. So, again, started first grade in Turkey. 
did the middle of first grade in New Jersey and ended first grade in Arkansas. So that's three different cultures, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. in the United States, living in New Jersey, uh, the demographics there and the demographics in Arkansas are very different. Oh, night and day. Yes. Luckily, I, I had parents who really pushed us into how to be adaptive to the environment that we're in and how to embrace the environment that we're in. But I will tell you, it was a struggle. There was no doubt, especially going from New Jersey to, as things were very different. And this was years ago. So yeah, things were, were extremely different. But from there, went on to other bases where the majority of my growing up years, as I call it, my formative years, were in the New England area where my dad had orders at bases in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. When we lived in New Hampshire, that was the longest we had ever lived anywhere. We were actually there for four years. Wow. So for me, those four years meant a lot. I started uh, um, junior high in New Hampshire and went through high school. And so I felt like there was a sense of belonging for me there. I'd gotten really involved in my school, doing leadership and cheerleading and honor society and a lot of different things, class president. And then in between my junior and senior year, my dad got orders to Portugal. Oh, wow. Awful, 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 awful for me as a teenager, because here I had grounded myself finally to be somewhere more than two years. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this sense of really belonging, living where we were in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and just devastated, just completely devastated at the thought of leaving kind of my foundation. Well, especially uh, and, when you were so involved in the school already. Yes. If very, you, you know, again, class president, yeah. I was homecoming queen, prom wow. queen, captain of the cheerleaders, just, you know, captain of the track team, all of those different things. And at the end of the school year, just like in schools everywhere, that's when you elect your officers and your people for the next year. So you, you know, you're setting up your senior year. And so I had just gone through all of those processes of, you know, again, cheerleader captain, class president, all of those mm -hmm. things, only for uh, my mom to say, well, we're moving. And I'm like, no. So my one of my friends, her sister had just graduated from high school. And they came up with this plan that since her sister was going to be gone, her mom said, Lori can live with us during her last year of school because this, you know, their daughter's room was open and she could stay here. We were really good friends with the family. So my parents said, yes that we could do that. And that, so that's cool. All was, all was wonderful in the world because the decision was made that I could stay in New Hampshire, do my senior year there and, you know, go off to college until the week before the movers came. Uh, uh -oh. And then we heard the, the, the statement that no teenager likes to hear. Uh, we're having a family conference in the living room at six o'clock. <laughs> well, those family conferences, sometimes they can really throw you under the bus, yeah. right? So we had the family conference and my mom said, uh, I've changed my mind. And I said, you've changed your mind about what? And she said, I can't leave you behind. And I was like, what do you mean you can't leave me behind? I'm the oldest of three. Okay. She said, if I leave you behind, I have to look at this last year as our last year together. And I have to look back on it. She said, if I take you with us, I can look forward to what this last year will be like for us as a family before you go off to college. And I was like, uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah. As a mom now, I could go, well, yeah, I can understand that. But as a teenager, I go, yeah, as a you, teenager, who I'm cares? Like, that's who cares? You know, okay. We had, we had last year. You just look back on last year and we press on, you know, you've got two more kids. Yeah. <laughs> you right. Know, you 
do that with them. <laughs> and so she said, I can't. And I am telling you, I did not talk to my parents for a long time because I was just so, I felt like they were selfish, even though I was being the selfish one. <laughs> I felt like they were selfish. How could they do that to me? I'm finally someplace where I've been for a long period of time. I'm grounded. I've got great friends. I've got a great education. And now you want to take me to another country? So we made the move, went to Portugal. I went from a class of almost 700 living in New Hampshire mm -hmm. to 24 in Portugal. Wow. We lived on a military base and it was all the base kids who went to the school. So not happy about that at all. But one of the things that's different between a military school on a base versus the things that happen in a public school at the end of a year start in a military school at the beginning of the year because we have what we call permanent change of station, which is called PCS. And PCSing happens during the summer where they're moving families from one location to the other location. Because that happens, they wait until the beginning of the school year to elect their class officers, you know, their captains and things like that because people are moving. That you makes know? total sense. Yeah. You don't want to elect someone at the end of the school year and then they're gone, or you don't want to give not give people an opportunity who are coming in to be a class president or whatever it happens to be. So everything that, uh, again, that happens at the end of the year was at the beginning of the year. So I still ended up being class president, being captain of the cheerleaders. I still ended up in student council and doing all the same things, but on a much smaller scale. Obviously. Well, you knew everybody then in school. Yeah. It's kind of like my class. My was a class was about as big as yours in California. And my husband's from a small community and he had about 20 in his graduating class. Yeah, but you were fortunate enough that you had an opportunity to move forward with the same progress. I could have, which I did. I had an attitude. I had a teenage attitude when we moved there. <laughs> and I could have kept that attitude and said, I'm just going to be miserable the whole time I'm here and just dislike it and not talk to anybody and just mope and, and be on my own for the next nine months. Because we moved there in August. I was graduating in May. I had already been accepted to my college. I got accepted my junior year. So I already knew where I was going to school. So for me, senior year, I knew it was going to be a wash. I had enough credits to graduate. I didn't have to have a senior year. But I also was so mad at my mom that I didn't want to stay home with her all day. <laughs> <laughs> so did this help shape your attitude towards things the rest of your life? Because Absolutely. right now you're so upbeat and you meet things head on. I mean, you face things as they come to you yes. and overcome and not treat it as a challenge and not lay back and say, roll over me. I need to accept this. Yes. And I will share that on my 18th birthday, which was also my graduation day, I graduated on my 18th birthday. Oh, fun. Uh, within a week, I was out of there. Like I left the island. We we were um, stationed in the Azores, which are islands off the, the mm -hmm. coast. Of and I came back to the States by myself. Uh, and I said, you know what? I'm ready to start adult life. My mother was like, why can't you wait till September? Like all your classmates, they're all leaving to go to college in September. I was like, nope, I'm ready to start life. I want to start the world. I don't want to be here anymore. And so a week after graduation, I flew back to the United States, spent the summer with my grandmother, got a job, worked, and then went off to college. And for me, unlike now, when students are separated from their parents, you FaceTime, you call, you Zoom. We didn't have any of that. This is how I would talk to my parents because they were on a military installation. I was allowed 15 minutes a month to do what's called a MARS call. And MARS stands for Military Air Radio Station. So it was a free 15 minute call and we would call and you literally, and this I'm dating myself, but this is how it worked. 
I would say, hey, mom, how are you? I love you guys. And then I would have to say over. And then my mom would say whatever she had to say. And then she would have to say over. The first couple of times we did this, we both messed up all the time. I'd say, hi, mom, how are you? How, how's everybody doing? I'm doing really good. And it would be silent. And then <laughs> the, the guy, the Air Force person, the military person who was sitting at the desk would say, are you finished? And I would say, oh my gosh, yes, over. Because <laughs> we would have a switchboard and that's how we had to talk to each other. And then my mom would say, oh, everything's really good. We miss you so much. And then it would be quiet. It would be quiet. And then he would say, okay, now you can talk. So we would forget to say over. And he, depending on he or her who was there, if whether or not they were paying attention to our conversation, they wouldn't even know there was blank space sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, they're not supposed to listen. They're yeah. probably just waiting for the over. That's so what they're they're, okay, now it's my cue. That's nice to know they're not eavesdropping the whole time. So that's how I talked to my parents. If I wasn't talking to them on the Mars line, my 15 minute call once a month, I communicated by writing letters. Yes, uh -huh. the old fashioned, write letters, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it and go to the post office. Oh yes, I remember it well. That's how I communicated with my family because again, they were in Portugal and I was back here in the United States all by myself. And calling on the phone was exorbitant. Oh yes, yes. Which is why we only did the 15 minutes every month. Right. Because if I wanted to call, if it, there was an emergency, it was $4 a minute to call over to Portugal. Yeah. Again, for me, because I didn't have my parents readily available to me, I had to grow up and I had to face things and I had to make decisions for myself because they just, I couldn't just pick up the phone and call and say, I need this or I need that, or what should I do? I had to make those decisions on my own. Uh, and so that's, those were my college years, uh, doing that and just trying to live life, um, Again, because I just didn't have my parents readily available and I had to grow up and I had to make adult decisions and do things. When I think about just the things that I've done and all that I've gone through, there were certain things that I took for granted as a military child. And I did not know I took them for granted until I was in college talking to people who were not military, who did not live near a military installation. And I would share things and they would look at me like, what? And so I realized, I said, you know what? I need to be appreciative of the life that I've been given with regards to moving um, because there were people that I met in college who had never been outside of their state, never, that I had lived in several different states and several different countries. And as I would talk about that, I would see envy in their faces, like real envy, like, wow, you lived where? You've done what? And these are things for me as a military child that I just took for granted that's when I realized that I need to be very grateful for these opportunities that I've been given and just press on. Uh, and as I did that and started going on with life and uh, got my degree and entered the workforce, I realized again that I have to make decisions on my own. Uh, and what I learned in doing so, I picked up professional speaking because uh, people started asking me to come and speak about my experiences. And mm -hmm. I got more and more, I do a presentation somewhere and people would line up and say, can you come speak at my church? Can you come speak at our school? Can you come speak here? So I was doing it more and more. And one of the things that I started doing a lot of was women's events. Oh, okay. For a bank in corporate America, they were always asking me to come out and speak at these women's events. So one of the things I started talking about was uh, just having the nerve 
Like what makes you back down from something when you know you should face it head on? What makes you say, I'm never going to be able to do this or I'm not going to get it done? What takes away your confidence? So what your do you want me to answer a couple things that came to my mind? Sure, go ahead. Because you probably heard them. The first one would be fear. Yes. And the biggest would be fear of failure. Yes, 100%. I think those two would be the prominent answers that you'd hear from women. Yes, a lot. And so I started to change my thought process and my philosophy on how I would speak to women at some of these events. So I changed my subject and I started talking about the nerve. How do you get the nerve and what does it mean to have the nerve to do something? And I would even talk about how women go out in public with their curlers in their hair and they really have the nerve. Or I talk about how we say sometimes as moms, you're getting on my nerves right now. And I would just talk about all the different ways that we think about the nerve. Mm -hmm. So I started to look it up. I started looking up, what does it mean, the nerve? So I, I looked up what nerves are and their connectors. I just started looking at the definition and started looking at things about what are nerves. So again, changed my approach on how I was speaking at some of the speaking engagements that I had. One year, I was speaking at a Women's History Month event and they told me what their theme was and they had the, the three C's. And one of the C's was courageous. We're really focusing this year on what it means for women to be courageous. And I said, well, my big thing is I love talking about the nerve. So I started thinking about that more and more. And I said, how can I incorporate what I discussed about having the nerve to do things with being courageous? And I started thinking about it more and more and more. And I said, you know what? When we make decisions, it takes a lot of nerve just to make a decision, but we right. make decisions all day long. But how often do we act on those decisions? We That's do. We, act, we say, okay, I'm going to do this. I've made a decision. I'm going to do this and this is going to happen. And then we don't do anything with it. Nothing can happen if you don't act on it, right? Absolutely. You can and plan and all you want. If you don't do anything about it, it's going to stay the same. That is correct. And so when I was preparing for this particular Women's History Month event and thinking about how I could incorporate that, I said, well, what if I just took the word nerve and I took the word courageous and I made the word nervageous and I started to think about what does that really mean? And I said, you know what? It takes a lot of nerve because we get nervous when we have to make decisions. Mm -hmm. When we're facing something that scares us or makes us fearful, like our stomach gets butterflies in it and we get very nervous. But so many times when we take that nervous energy and we push forward with it, great things happen. So it's easy for us to make a decision, but to act on that decision takes a lot of courage. And that's how I came up with the word nervageous because I said, okay, we've got to have the nerve to make the decision, but then we have to have the courage to move forward and act on that decision. I took that word and I said, okay, I'm going to go to my next event and I'm going to talk about Nervageous and I want to see how people respond to it. Yeah. I got the most amazing response that it was unbelievable. And I said, oh, I'm copywriting this word. I'm trademarking this word. And now people love it. Wherever I go, when I'm speaking, I've got, obviously I have t-shirts and mirrors and hats. I don't I have mine on. Bracelets. I should have put mine on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bracelets, all of it about... Four years ago, the, the Tinker Force Space Youth Center sponsored a, an event for young teen girls. Uh, and it was about uh, sparkling as young teen girls. And they asked me, they said, can you come and speak on Nervageous at this teen event? 
up to this, I'd only been speaking to, to women. I had to change my thought just a little bit on how do I approach this so that it's something that young women, young ladies will understand because the mindset, the brain of a young girl versus a woman and our experiences are very different. So I changed it and I catered it to that young group. And one of the things that I said to them is we need to make Nervageous contagious. And let me tell you, they all started going, make Nervageous contagious, make Nervageous in teens. They like chants. Yeah, they so do. They chant out of it. And it was so amazing. I'm standing up there in the front of the room with all of these young girls and they're going, make Nervageous contagious, make, and they're high-fiving each other and they're inspired. And I will tell you, that was one of the best feelings in the world to see that group of young girls embrace what it meant to be nervous at their age and to want to make it contagious, to want to take that word and share it with their friends and other people so that they understand that sometimes we're going to be nervous about things and it's okay. That's it's great that you had that opportunity to help them. So many of them see that there is a way out of it. Yes. They just have to believe in themselves and, and that's those feelings are natural. Just get yes. through it. And it was amazing. When I watched all of these young girls and I started going back to my teen years, living in Massachusetts, living in New Hampshire, Portugal, college. And I started thinking about all the times that I was nervous and didn't even know it. And then I started to think about my life as a military spouse, because going from being a military daughter to serving myself to being a military spouse and the things that our military spouses have to deal with. And I think about my mom when I became a military spouse and I started thinking about the things that my mom had to do every two years, packing up the house, putting us in new schools, preparing us mentally for a move, all of those things. And now here I was a military spouse and I was doing those things, packing up the house because every time you move, you, know, you want to make sure that the movers are doing their job. And then you've got to enroll your kids in the next school that you're in. And you've got to do homework because if you're not living on base, my husband and I used to go ahead of time and, and visit the schools before we got there, before we took the kids to make sure that we're putting them in the right school. And right. I remember one time uh, what someone said to us or during one of the school visits, they said, where do you live? And I said, well, we haven't found a place to live yet. And she looked at us very surprised. She said, well, most people find their home first and then you go to school in the zone that you're in. And I said, oh, no, we're picking our school first and we'll find a home in that area because we want to make sure that our children are getting the best education. That's what we did when we moved. Oh, yeah. We came up and I drove around and looked at the schools. I even talked to the teenagers mm -hmm. in the different areas, yes. see how they like their school. I agree with you. I think it's important to find the school. Mm -hmm. That's where your children are going to be going. You can live anywhere. That's right. And so when I think of what I've done and my fellow military spouses out there, how nervous we are every mm -hmm. time we have to move, just packing up the house, making sure that if you're taking a flight to your next assignment, that you've got snacks for the kids and you've got things ready. <laughs> or if you're driving to the next assignment and then you get there and sometimes you don't move right into your home because you're in temporary lodging while you're waiting for your household goods to get there. So mm -hmm. during that time, what are you doing with your family? Uh, you know, to make sure that that they're okay and that this transition is smooth. And then again, going out and finding schools. And for me, every time we moved, two things I had to make sure that I was looking at. One, where am I going to get my hair done? And where am I going to find a good church? <laughs> well, so, those are two really critical things in my yes, life too. So. Yes. So every time we moved, I would spend a lot of time going to different churches, 
till we found the right church that felt good. Then going and trying to make sure I found somebody who could do my hair. <laughs> Those were priorities. But again, same thing. Every time you move, that trust factor comes in. Who do I leave my children with? Because you know what? When you go to the school, there's a form that you have to fill out that says emergency contact. Ooh, right. Your brand's spanking new to the community. You don't even know anyone. So who's your emergency contact? And that's why as military spouses, I always talk about why it's so important for us to make a friend before we need a friend. Because just that, when you're filling out that emergency contact and you just move there, who are you putting down? Who do you trust to come and pick up your kids or do whatever needs to be done? So I think of all of those times as military spouses, the different things that we have done where we have completely been nervages, we've made decisions and we've acted on them. So that's where nervages came from. And still alive and well, I make nervages decisions all the time. I love that. And it's something that every mother can adopt. Yes. That ner- nervous. I love it. I've told my children about it and they go, well, that's pretty cool, mom. And now I'm going to make sure they see this podcast so they can hear it from the creator of the work. Yes. We have enjoyed having Lori with us today. Our time's about up with the podcast. So we're going to stop the interview right there, but she'll be on with us next episode and continue with her amazing story and how she overcomes, especially with some of the little personal ideas that she's come up with that she's willing to share with us. So next time we will learn more from Lori about what laughter does and how laughter helps us through life. So be with us next week on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. American Mothers has amazing programs to educate, support, and honor moms. Visit our website at AmericanMothers.org and click on what we do. If you have a child or grandchild in the fifth grade or equivalent, you might be interested in checking out the fifth grade essay contest that starts in August. Or maybe you'd like to learn more about honoring mothers and what the mothers of the year have to say. Their stories are amazing, and I'm sure you'll find something on there that will interest you. Remember, AmericanMothers.org. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.